Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I don't know what's better to have like a cotton candy fantasy about something in the world and never learn the truth and let your idea about how wonderful something was be the reality or to find out that nothing you thought was true was true. And what happens when you're forced to face that about a beloved TV show that's one of the stupidest things ever made? I'm talking about Gilligan's Island. Well, we always have an odd one in the crowd. So it's kind of odd. Decidedly odd. Doesn't that strike you as a little bit odd? No, that doesn't strike me as a little bit odd. It's the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. The stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Now, here's the Oddcast. I have a hard time with reality. Um, I, I get reality and fiction confused sometimes, especially when it comes to TV shows and movies. Like, I, I want things to be true. Like if people are best friends in a TV show, I want them to really like each other in real life. If, you know, everyone's a big, happy family when you're looking at them, I want them to be a big, happy family when the doors close. Does that make sense? Do you understand what right, I'm saying? Right. I just, it I was, don't know. It, it's surprising when you find out that they're not. Yeah, it's disappointing. It's like Jason Alexander who was on Seinfeld. He said Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld never had him to his house, ever. Which crushes me, kind of and it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's, I like. I just don't. I don't love when reality is so different from the fantasy, and I have a really big problem with that when it comes to TV shows and movies. Because as a kid, I went the bulk of my childhood without television, and so when I finally got to watch TV, I was a little bit older, like um, almost in eighth grade. And was watching TV with the same kind of um, unbridled enthusiasm you see in a second grader. Can you imagine what the right. problem there is? Yeah. Like, like, it was like a kid from another planet and everything was entertaining. Like, I would watch absolute crap and be completely entertained. I'd walk home from school this after my parents split up and I'm living with my grandmother up uh, back east, up north. And... And I'd walk home from school and change out of my school uniform. And there were only like five channels. There were the three main networks and two indie stations out of Philly. And the only thing that would be on that wasn't like a daytime talk show or just some boring thing for adults was a Japanese live action uh, monster show called Ultraman. Do you remember Ultraman? I do remember Ultraman. Yes. Ultraman was ancient when I was a kid. I, I can't even imagine where you'd find it now except on YouTube. 
and it was dubbed. It wasn't subtitled, it was dubbed. So, you know, the mouths and the words didn't connect. And the voice actors that dubbed it into English were, Max, they were terrible. So it would be stuff like, oh, ah, I am frightened. Oh, oh, my eyes, my eyes. You know, it was just this garbage. And then there'd be some monster in the special effects where it was in black and white. The special effects were just awful. And the monster, and you could see that the the buildings and the cars were fake. And then some guy, I guess he was like a Japanese scientist, he would put his hands together, do something, and he would turn into Ultraman and he could fly. If he had other powers, I can't remember what they were. But I would sit there in my play clothes, because that's what you, you went to Catholic school, so you know. You have, right. you have your uniform and your play, play clothes. clothes. I would sit there in my play clothes, just absolutely riveted, because I had had no television. And then after Ultraman, Gilligan's Island would come on. And if there's a dumber TV show than Gilligan's Island, it, you'd have to you'd have to sell me on it. I mean, they get in the SS Minnow and they leave Los Angeles for a little boat ride, a little three hour tour. I, the I have the uh, you know, I have the the theme song if you want to. Oh, play you want to play the theme song? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that right here. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. Started from this tropic point aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailor man, skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. The weather started getting rough, and the tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the middle would be lost. The middle would be lost. The ship set ground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle With Gilligan, the skipper too A millionaire and his wife A movie star, the professor and Marianne Here on Gilligan's Isle You guys... There was so much tension, drama, conflict, and hatred behind the scenes on Gilligan's Island. Get your Kleenex ready because it's going to make you cry. Okay, so Gilligan's Island. Um, I'm not an actor. I don't know what it's like to struggle to get your next job, to audition and be rejected, to never know if you're going to make it or not. I have no idea what that's like. I do not um, have a small boat that I charter to take people on three-hour tours in the Los Angeles harbors and then get them lost and stranded on deserted islands. I don't know what that's like. And I certainly don't know what it's like to be stranded on a deserted island and to somehow look prettier than I did at my wedding while also being able to build scientific equipment out of coconuts. So I, I do not know what it's like to be in any of those scenarios. But when I learned how much ugliness was behind the scenes on Gilligan's Island. I couldn't believe it because speaking as a person, you know, who came up hard and has been working full time, like literally full time hours since I was 14 and who knows that no matter how bad a day at work you're having, you got a gig. I don't understand the people who were cast in the part of Gilligan's Island. So we have seven castaways we have Gilligan and the skipper so it's the skipper's boat and he owns it and Gilligan is his first mate and a lovable nitwit I guess is the only way to say it then you've got the professor who 
has only apparently one outfit that he somehow manages to keep clean. Then you've got um, Mr. and Mrs. Thurston Howe III. They're, they're older and they're very, very, very wealthy. And apparently they went on a three-hour tour um, with the kind of luggage that you saw loaded onto the Titanic in the beginning of the movie. And then there's Mary Ann. She's the wholesome girl next door. And then there's the movie star played by, her name is Ginger, and she's played by Tina Louise. Gilligan's Island only ran for three seasons, which will probably shock all of the boomers and Gen Xers out there who feel like they've had 12 years of childhood reruns of Gilligan's Island. Would you, were you not surprised to learn that it was only three it seasons? It is surprising, yes. Let me tell you how they pulled but that But I think off. the seasons were more episodes than a season typically has now. So that might be why there was more episodes, but still only three seasons. Well, and Max, every episode of Gilligan's Island is basically the same as every episode of Gilligan's Island. It all runs together after a while. And if I were to push you up against a wall and say your life depends on recounting the plot line of any Gilligan's Island episode, all you'd have to say is, they saw a boat in the distance. Uh, they sent up smoke signals. <laughs> the professor made a radio out of coconuts. And then the sailors left without them. And nobody could argue with you. You'd all go, yeah, I think I saw that one. That sounds right. Well, check this out. When they were casting Gilligan's Island, um, they first offered the role of Marianne to a legendary, iconic performer who just passed away. Can you guess her name? A bombshell sex symbol. Like Sophia end. Loren, somebody like that? Raquel Welch. Oh, wow. They, they offered the part of Raquel Welch um, to play Marianne. Um, and, and she was their first choice, but I guess she turned it down, which is how Dawn Wells came, the beloved Marianne, the farm girl next door. I see. Uh, Tina Louise um, took the role of Ginger Grant. Um, now, originally, um, Ginger was supposed to be a secretary, not a movie star, but Tina Louise did not want to play a secretary. So they rewrote the part to be a giant movie star, kind of like the old time sex symbol Jane Mansfield. But as soon as they did that, it created instant tension with the rest of the cast because they not only rewrote the part for Tina Louise, they told her that she would be a major focus of the plot of every episode. Mm. So when the other castaways got that news, they were kind of salty about it, as you might expect. And that created all sorts of drama between Ginger and the rest of the Islanders. But then when they actually started shooting the show and she wasn't the center of every plot, now there's drama between Ginger and the producers and the directors. She was so dissatisfied with the way that this went down, and she had so much conflict with the production staff, and that began to spill over to relations with the other cast members. Pretty soon, Mr. and Mrs. Thurston Howe III and the Skipper and Gilligan and Marianne and the professor were like, bitch, take a whole seat, because you are not better than the rest of us. And Tina Louise's response to that was to separate herself from the rest of the cast. Mm. And because there was so much, you're going to be blown away what I'm about to tell you next, because there was so much tension and conflict and competition, Bob Denver, who plays Gilligan, 
who really was the star of the show, not Ginger. Is that fair? Would you oh, agree I'd with say, that? yeah. Before the show was released to the public, Bob Denver went to the producers and said, you have got to rewrite the theme song because the original theme song for Gilligan's Island, and I don't know if it exists anywhere where we could find it, but the original theme song did not include the professor and Marianne. That's right. That's right. Did you know that? I did know that. So think about the way the song. They said, and the rest. They said, and the rest. And the rest. Sherry, the fact that I know this is really pretty sad. I'm (laughs) going to clap, though, because I'm so They went, and the movies, and then instead of saying professor, and they went, and the rest. And that's how they sang that. Well, Bob Denver went to the producers and said, you guys, this is causing so much. We're not going to make it. This has to be more equal. So they rewrite the theme song to include the professor and Marianne and Bob Denver Gilligan, you know, he's, Oh, you know, all the Gilligan stuff, but he's running from one to the next, trying to settle disputes and soothe feuds and, and smooth over hurt feelings and make sure that people are being treated fairly. It didn't matter. No matter what Gilligan did, Ginger, quickly became more of a supporting character and not the main focus. And if you think back to any episode of Gilligan's Island, pick one, because they're all basically the same. Um, what would happen? G- Ginger would, the camera would go to Ginger and she'd be like, well, I can't get sand on my sequins or something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just the same thing over and over. She was so afraid then that this would ruin her career. She would be typecast as Ginger from Gilligan's Island that she withdrew even further. And now the cast is really aggravated. When the show got canceled, it was canceled so abruptly that the producers never even had a chance to write an episode that would show you that the castaways got rescued from the island. That was their plan. Eventually, I guess they would end the series by rescuing the castaways, but they were now, it was just so abruptly gone that they never got to do that. So many years go by, um, almost 11 years go by. And in 1978, they released the first of three made for TV movies about Gilligan's Island um, that they were going to broadcast. And in the first one, if you've watched this, you know that they got rescued and then they got marooned again on the same island. Do you remember that? Yes. That was some must-see TV. Mm-hmm. Of all of the castaways, Ginger refused to participate. Right. And she would not participate in any of the sequels going forward. Um, and even though she um, left in a snit and would not, can you know would not go forward would not be in the movies would not do any of it um she downplayed all of that you know and and acted like none of it had ever happened and three years ago when don wells who played marianne passed away um tina louise ginger became the last surviving member of the gilligan's island cast and she has nothing good to say about it and I cannot tell you how shocked I was to learn all of this because me as a kid, I'm watching Gilligan's Island, y'all, with the kind of wide-eyed, um, blank 
failure to have any critical thinking as though it were a Nat Geo documentary on the South Pacific. Um, I have that piece of the uh, original theme song. Do you want to hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Here we go. I will bring you a smile, the adventures of Gilligan and the skipper and the millionaire and Mrs. Millionaire and the other tourists on Gilligan's Island. So their names, the professor and Marianne, weren't there. I cannot say that the first version was better than the one that ultimately got released. Can you? No. Mm -mm. It's more exotic. I just had no idea. Not only did I have no idea that these people didn't all really like, like each other and get along and hang out together. When I tell you that at the end of an episode of Gilligan's Island, I was I could not believe that the ship had sailed away without rescuing them or that the plane took off without rescuing them or that the radio transmission made out of coconuts that was heard by a nearby ship at sea did not rescue them. I was amazed every single time that they were still there. And that is so embarrassing. Uh, in fact, one of the funny things is, is when you look at this opening segment, if you ever watch when they roll credits and also featuring, that is that is something that's negotiated because it makes you seem like better. And Tina Louise had the and also starring like she was special of the rest of the cast. And now you know now the you inside know scoop on yeah. it is that she was she was given that job and the, that whole deal was negotiated like she's going to be the shizzle here. So what I don't know is, was she like a big deal before Gilligan's Island? I have, nothing I've ever read says so. I mean, I, you have to figure that she probably, she was incredibly attractive. So I'm sure she got a lot of attention for doing lots of different things. I'm sure she modeled or did commercials or appeared in some things before Gilligan's Island. So I'm sure that she thought, Hey, I've got a, you know, a going career here. So there's some, I don't know. There's a movie that she was in. That's really good. What's that Tina Louise movie, Kev? God's little acre. She plays like a farm girl and she, it's none of the uh, ginger from Gilligan's Island, like fur stoles and sequins and jewels. And she was actually really good in it. It's a black and white movie, right? Did, are, did you hear my husband? He says, if you watch that movie, your answer to the question, Ginger or Marianne, will always be Ginger. I just she, feel like I, I couldn't satisfy Ginger. Babe, so, I got to go with Marianne. She seems more So I'm looking this up. God's Little Acre, that's the first thing she appeared in. She won a Golden Globe Award for New Star of the Year. And also, so, yeah, the, the actress Laurel Award for Best Female Supporting Performance. Now, so, yeah, she had a, it, it, at that point, that was 1958, so she had a career, and that was years before Gilligan's Island. So a serious, critically acclaimed career. Right. And so what, went, what happened here with um, the SS Minnow and Gilligan's Island? Did the producers sort of um, play fast and loose with the facts to get, a, you know, a critically respected actress like Tina Louise to play the movie star? Did they just kind of BS what the show was going to be about? And then they get onto the set and, you know, it turns out that it's, hey, little buddy, go get a banana, you know, over and over again. 
What do you think? Yeah, I'm sure that the things were promised up front that they didn't deliver on. That sort of thing happens in <laughs> anybody that's worked in the entertainment business in any way. Have you ever been promised something that wasn't delivered, Sherry? You know, oh, I mean, all please. the time that 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 happens all the time just because somebody will say anything just to get to the next thing, just to get you on board. I just it crushed me. It crushed me like like I know that. That Japanese scientist really can't turn into Ultraman with the beta capsule and get a monster. Like, I knew that was make-believe, right? And and I guess I knew that the Brady Bunch um, was make-believe. I mean, their grass in their backyard was freaking astroturf. Even a six-year-old could tell that, right? But the fact that they hated each other so much on Gilligan's Island. I mean, I'm afraid to go online. I'm like, what's next? Like, Alf, is it a man in a costume? <laughs> I just can't. We had um, uh, the the uh, the actress that played uh, Don Wells, who played uh, Marianne. Yeah. We had her on the show. She was a delightful guest. She really was oh, lovely person. She and Bob Denver, who played Gilligan, were they remained friends until the end of their lives, which was really sweet. And again, because you know, I had all those years of my childhood in a TV free zone. Like I didn't have any. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any of the actors or the shows. I didn't have any context for anything. The first time that I had cable TV, which was, you know, a million years later, and TV Land, remember the TV, when TV Land, the network, yes, first launched? Yes. So when TV Land first launched, it, would, it was airing, like, shows you'd never heard of, like My Mother, The Car, and Dobie Gillis, and, I mean, literally shows I had never heard of. The first time I saw Gilligan dressed up as like a beatnik in black and white on that Dobie Gillis show. I almost fell off the couch. Yeah, you Maynard Krebs. I was, I was kind of like, oh, he got off the island and now <laughs> he's using the ganja. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, um, that's today's little dive into TV history. It's disappointing when the characters on a show don't like each other in real life the way they do in person. And I don't know why Jerry... Seinfeld never invited Jason Alexander over for dinner. That hurts it, my feelings it was, to think about. It was an interesting thing when he said that because um, when you watch them, you could tell that they had chemistry as performers. Um, really, the the one that um, Jerry Seinfeld was closest to in the cast was Ju uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. They were they were indeed friends, but. Um, uh, Jason Alexander acts like to this day that his feelings were hurt that uh, you know. He wasn't invited to Jerry's house. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that about Jerry Seinfeld and Julia Louis-Dreyfus because she's a phenomenal actor and comedian, but she's an actor. Jerry Seinfeld is a comedian, and he's not an actor. No. He's a phenomenal comedian, but he's not an actor. And his acting was very – and I don't mean this in an ugly or hateful way. His acting was very limited. Right on the Seinfeld show, <laughs> it really was. If you especially watch the early ones, it's yeah, like it's ooh. painful. But and it was very, it was very limited. His range was tight, but the scenes between he and Elaine crackled. And now that you say that, I realize why. Because that playful BFF energy between them was based on something real. Right. It wasn't something that he, as an actor, was creating. It was it was genuine. That's really fun to think about. And if you ever have a chance, 
I know we started with Gilligan's Island and now we veered to Seinfeld, but if you ever have a chance to watch any of the uh, bloopers that are on YouTube, and there's a ton of them, um, uh, the, the guy that played Kramer, uh, Michael Richards, he did not like a lot of tomfoolery. For being this goofy character, he was very serious about what they were doing, and he did not like it when they cut up and goofed around. He And you can tell there's times that they're all laughing and he is not. Because he's like, he's like, no, we've got to get down to business here. And in fact, if you watch Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, he talks to Jerry Seinfeld about that and said that one of the things about it is he didn't enjoy it enough while they were doing it. And now looks back on it. And now looks back on it. And realizes that. You know, you could, I know some people who have not enjoyed their uh, work as much while they were doing it. And you better enjoy it while you're doing it, if that's at all possible, because you know you understand there's a 0.0% guarantee that you'll have a moment at some point in the future to look back and enjoy it. So you should enjoy it right now while you can. Next time on the Oddcast, we're going to break the world wide open when we reveal that Herman Munster wasn't really a Frankenstein. <laughs> Do you know... <laughs> Those bolts in his neck were glued on. (laughs) And don't even, don't even get me started on Third Rock from the Sun. They were Earthlings, all of them. No, they weren't really from another planet. They weren't. You're killing this. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We drop new episodes every Monday. And we have our fun size podcast. It's snack size, perfect for sharing, about 10 minutes long. And Max does a phenomenal job of bringing you the very funnest moments from that last week of the regular Bob and Cherry show. We release new episodes of that on Thursdays. And we want to thank each and every one of you who is listening to our brand new podcast. It's called True Weird Stuff. And it drops every Friday. And this Friday, we are going to bring you a man named Dewey Vaughn. He has an Air Force top secret clearance. He is the most sober-minded, reasonable grown-up ever. And he's a Bigfoot tracker. And he's got Mm -hmm. proof. Mm -hmm. And he's going to share. We'll see you Friday on True Weird Stuff. Apple, Google, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Oddcast. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Cherry Podcast and the Bob and Cherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter 
Recruiter's powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 